Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Reincarnated. My life is in stages, you know what I mean? We the jury in above entitled action find a defendant, Calvin Brodus, not guilty of the crime of murder in the first degree. Whether it's me performing live on stage. Let me hear you say Snoop Dogg! Or me going through stages in life. That's what my life has always been based on. And that's what forced me to find a new path. Holy traitors, warriors, be still and know that I am here. You know, I was at the forefront of the most violent time in hip hop with the most violent record label in the world. And I didn't want that anymore. I wanted peace, love, and everybody to live. And nobody understood that until people started dying. I didn't just want to come here and say I made a record in Jamaica and grew some dreadlocks. Rastafari called me. And if you hear me, come and join the revolution. Finally made it to paradise. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Eric Cohn from IndieWire, and tonight's guests, producer Ted Chung, producer Saroosh Alvi, and Snoop Lion. Hey, everybody. Thanks for waiting. So we got three people here and a whole lot of new stuff to talk about. Snoop, there's a lot of new stuff going on in your life right now. Uh, we know that you've got a new album. It's out now. You've got a new movie. But first and foremost, you have what I understand to be a new name. So I think what we're all wondering first and foremost is who is Snoop Lion? Snoop Lion is a... Um Actually, I'm still Snoop Dogg. I mean, Snoop Lion is an extension of Snoop Dogg. He's the growth and development, the, the fine-tuned Snoop Dogg, the, the perfection of Snoop Dogg in so many, so many words. Because as Snoop Dogg, I made a lot of flaws. I did a lot of things, you know, that I don't regret. But I did them because that's what I was. But as Snoop Lion, I'm more focused on what, what's necessary for the world and just trying to speak a positive message with my music to complement my life. Because I feel like... At a certain point, Snoop Dogg's lifestyle wasn't the same as his music. 
But right now, I feel like Snoop Lion fits the lifestyle of Snoop Dogg. And where did the lion image come from? Um, from me going to Jamaica, <clears throat> working on my project, just floating around Jamaica, and everybody's just saying, lion, 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 lion. And you just hear that everywhere you go. So the natural connection was to put, you know, the lion behind Snoop and just, you know, make it Snoop Lion. So I guess what people are wondering are, you're still going to perform as Snoop Dogg at some point. It's, it's, not, it's not over for that. I'm still performing Snoop Dogg right now as we speak. You know, I got shows set up next week. It's just, you know, musically in my career, I wanted to say something. I felt like, you know, as Snoop Dogg, I could never say what I'm saying on this record because Snoop Dogg has created an image of gangster rap, hardcore, and that's the stigma and the persona that I created. But as Snoop Lion, it's like a fresh start. And it's also a new form of music for me, which is reggae music, which is about peace, love, and the struggle. And at the same time, I feel like I'm Bob Marley reincarnated. So I'm able to express a different message of peace and love and speak to real issues in the world like I couldn't have spoke to as a rapper. So we're going to get into that trip you took to Jamaica in a second and look at some clips from the movies. Before we do that, can you tell us about what instigated that trip in, in your mind? What, what originally interested you in going to Jamaica? Well, I've always been interested in making reggae music. If you listen to any of my early music from 1992 on up, I always would have reggae or chants in my lyrics because I had friends that were Jamaican or either Rastas. And, um, you know, my love of, of reggae music was always increasing as I traveled the world. And I had a chance to meet a lot of, you know, reggae artists such as Barrington Levy, Prince Itell Joe, and these guys were very influential in my life and my career. So through knowing them, I loved reggae music more and more and doing research on Bob Marley. It just felt like I was an extension of Bob as if, you know, this was who I was. So I wanted to find out more about it. So going to Jamaica and researching and, you know, finding a, a, a great filming team like Vice Pictures to come out there and really work hand for hand with me and my team and getting dip low and Major Lazer to produce the record and find the right writers. It was all a part of a, a spiritual process that happened. It wasn't like it was planned out. It was more spontaneous because I was still in the process of doing my Snoop Dogg thing and it just hit me one night. This is what I need to do. So I put a plan together and we made it work. So Ted, working with Snoop, uh, at what point did you realize that this was something you could really make happen or take to the next level, sort of enable some of the things that he was thinking about? Um, as Snoop said, I don't think neither myself or Sarouche or the team that was in Jamaica, although we knew that it was going to be, there were going to be special moments to capture and Snoop was going to make some great music, the intent wasn't necessary to come out with what ended up happening. So once it started unfolding and we were visiting these amazing places in Jamaica, like Tivoli Gardens, um, like walking through the Blue Mountains, the story just started to unravel in front of us. And um, that's when you kind of tell there was going to be something special here. And Sarush, for, for you guys on the Vice side of things, uh, at what point did you realize that this was actually a film? I mean, it wasn't going to be a short film or a behind-the-scenes thing or something along those lines. I think after about three or four days of filming, um, you know, three to four days of... It was a succession of one amazing day after the next, and at the end of each day, just going, that was incredible, uh, an incredible experience in terms of making a documentary film, and just 
realizing that we're onto something that could be much bigger than, you know, like some behind the scenes or uh, extra content to help promote an album or something. It, it was hard to really, um, you know, to put into words apart from a feeling that I think this could be something very big and special because there was something special happening there. Right, and what you produced was not just a documentary. It was, you know, the album, of course, and there are the shows coming up, and, and there's also an app, which if anyone's interested, you can whip out your phone and download right now for free. We can show it up on the screen here. It's, it's a really interesting way to kind of bring all these media into one place. Uh, Snoop, for you, what, what's the value of downloading this thing? Well, to me, the value is you get a personal experience of the of the birth and the creation of the song, where it came from, what you know, what resonated from us creating the song and the idea and the whole thought behind it. And a lot of times when we buy music, we just download it so fast that we never get the story or the birth of the song. And I feel like a lot of times as consumers, we want to know where that song came from, you know, what part of your life or what time of the day or what was on your mind when you created that song. And, I've always been in depth like that. I go back to the 70s when I first was able to buy records and um, the records would always have great album packaging and you could read you know, stories about what happened on this day and this artist was performing and doing this or that. So I just wanted this to be more up close and personal with a throwback feel to it, but it also gives you in-depth coverage of how the record was created song for song. And, and on, on your end of things, how do you take that kind of idea and, and turn it into something like this? Well, I mean, we had great partners with Cydia and uh, Cashmere Agency that helped put this together, and Rob Kenner, who helped write a lot of the, uh, and document some of the information from Snoop and the other participants on the uh, album. But, you know, this whole project has become, timing-wise, really interesting, because between doing the album, the film, the app, um, the photo book that's coming out with Rizzoli, it's really a multimedia project because Snoop is a multimedia artist. It's not just music that he makes. Obviously, he's got huge endeavors in film, and um, and people know his persona and his music worldwide. So don't, the only way to do this thing justice was to kind of really surround it with all the mediums of media that people experience Snoop Dogg, Snoop Lion through. So we're going to take a look at a clip in a second here, but just to set it up a little bit, Snoop, you're no stranger to being in front of the camera. There's a lot of them watching us right now. But uh, when you do a project like this, obviously they're trying to get at a part of you that's not obvious when it's just all bright lights and performance and so forth. So what's it like to, to be told to sort of let your guard down? Is that a difficult thing for you to do? I mean, it's all based on the director. You know, I want to give my director a shout out right now, Lil Head. Andy, that's what I call him, Lil Head. But, um, I was wondering because it's in the credits that way. Too. <laughs> when I name you, you got to ride with that till the wheels fall off. But um, one thing about a great director, and, and, he, and especially in a documentary, he has to be able to set you up for the great answer, or he has to give you such a question that forces you to give a great answer. And a lot of times through my documentary, you didn't hear the question, you just heard the answer. And he really, you know, did a lot of that great work by, you know, forcing certain things out of me by, you know, asking questions that I had never been asked before on screen or, you know, doing things to pull certain energies and certain conversations up out of me. So it takes a great director to get, you know, someone like myself to open up and to be comfortable enough to share information with the whole world. 
All right, so let's take a look at a clip. So now when people hear the song Fruit Juice, they know where the inspiration came from, I guess. One of the things I think is interesting about that clip is, is that there's this uh, sort of appreciation for the rituals 
that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were walking around someplace near here, for example. And you make an interesting observation in the film where you say that hip-hop is actually a form of reggae. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about you know, where you're coming from on that. Well, one of the um, founding fathers of hip-hop, Cool Herc, is a Jamaican descendant. So, you know, he is one of the, you know, original creators of this form of music. And to me, I believe that hip-hop was based off of some of the Jamaican, you know, dance hall music and the things that was going down early on in the game because it was something that was so close to the young generation that they could spread out and create their own style of music. That's why I say that, and that's why if you listen to real hip-hop bass lines and chants, that's all reggae music, if you ask me, because it's all based on a great feeling and you expressing yourself, and it's a young man's game. And for you guys, I mean, one of the things that's interesting is that there's this whole period of the film where Snoop's walking around, you know, where Bob Marley used to live and all these other artists kind of in the same area, and all these people are coming up to you, you know, and they're fans, and so you see the crossover. Were you guys surprised by that? Well, I, I, <clears throat> I think I understood. Um, I, I got to see the kind of icon-like status that Snoop has as a global artist when we were in Jamaica together and to see the um, you know the the I mean enthusiasm is pandemonium. The, wrong, the pandemonium on the streets um, of the fans of the people an entire community all the residents of Tivoli Gardens all coming out all at once because Snoop was there I mean that was to be part of that and to try and manage a shoot at the same time was quite challenging, but it was also, you know, the first time for me to, to be able to see, you know, exactly um, uh, the kind of the visibility and, and the profile that Snoop has. Well, and there's one scene where that's actually literal in a sense, uh, when you stand on a rooftop and all these people are looking up at you. And we'll take another look at a clip here in a second, but I'm wondering, does that, that exposure ever get old for you? Nah, because, you know, you like being up close and personal with the people who make you who you are. And, you know, especially when you can go to a country that's so far from where you're from and you never initially, you know, made music to to go that far. You just made music just because you love making it and didn't see what it does to people and how they are affected by how they love it and appreciate it. It makes you want to touch them and hear what about your music or what about your life that they're affected by so you can continue to do it. And then when these people tell you that, you know, I grew up to you or you raised me or my parents didn't want me listening to your music now, my mom loves your music and I love your music, That's that makes you want to get up close and personal and find out what it is about yourself that's making these people love you. All right, so let's take a look at another clip. Six, seven years ago, while I was at the Jay Leno show, and I just got off stage, and I was going to roll back to the house. I pull up about a block and a half before I know it. A hundred police pull up on me, and they all drawing down with real guns, and they not playing. So they finally come over, pull me out the car, start talking to me, and they like, well, do I know this particular guy? I'm like, nah. And they start saying, well, he knows you, and he says that he sold you this gun, that gun, that gun, and that gun. You can play dumb all you want. <clears throat> we have your wife and kids under arrest and we finna run through your whole house. So either you gonna tell us where the guns are or we gonna put your family through hell. 
And I had to think, my daughter is in the house, my son's in the house. Do I really want them to go through this bullshit that I'm trained for, that just doesn't bother me, but they've never seen this. So I said, you know what? If I give you a couple of guns, will you leave my house and let my wife and kids go? <clears throat> He's like, you give me a couple of guns, I'll do that for you. So I told him I have a gun here, one here, and one there. And that's the only guns I got in my house. He put the call in, told the motherfucker on the other end, go look in the take this bullshit ass probation that made me fire every security that I had around me because everyone who had a criminal record couldn't be around me. It was a violation. So I had to fire all my security. <clears throat> I had no guns in my life and niggas wanted to kill me. So imagine that. Who wanted to kill you? I can't say. <laughs> One day, maybe you'll tell us. Um, <laughs> but not right now. Um, we're going to go to questions in a little bit, but I think this is a nice transition to talk about. You know, you're talking about how your mindset changed a little bit, your priorities changed a little bit. And it's not only relevant to the film itself, but some of the things you've been doing recently that came out of this trip, including a, a nonprofit you've created called Mind Garden. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, well, um, when I was out there in Jamaica, I was actually going through the communities and I was looking at all of the poverty and looking at all of the people that were poor and I was assessing it. And I was seeing that it wasn't that the people were lazy or didn't want to work, just wasn't no opportunity and it wasn't nothing for them to do. So I, got, I came back home and got with a friend of mine, uh, John Paul Mitchell, and um, he had a program called Mind Gardens. And I told him I wanted to take this program to Jamaica because I had just left there and I wanted to give back to a community that gave me so much. And I didn't just want to give back money or give back a visit or you know something that was false or didn't get to the people. I wanted to take back something that could become theirs. So we created a program called Mind Gardens, which enables them to grow produce, fruits and vegetables. They're able to sell the produce, they're able to eat the produce and make money, export, import, and create a way of taking care of themselves, for themselves, by themselves. So that's what mind gardens is. It's a way to build your mind, body, and soul because the things you put into your body only makes you stronger. And if you're eating the right produce that you're growing from the ground, from the soil on your own, then you know what you're putting in your body and your mind. And so, Ted, were you involved in taking this vision to the next level? I mean, what, what, what are some of the challenges involved in making it really happen? Um, well, really, it started, like Snoop said, because... Um, John Paul had seen, we ran across him at um, Muhammad Ali's birthday uh, backstage and you know this older gentleman with a big bottle of Patron tequila comes stumbling in our dressing room and we all thought he was just a fan or just you know someone hanging out backstage and turned out to be John Paul who owns Patron and owns John Paul Mitchell hair care products and Snoop and him started to speak and they're of a very kindred spirit you know both from Los Angeles um, both started from the bottom and, and made their way to the top. 
And once John Paul heard about the Jamaica trip, then Snoop and him got to building on the concept of um, self-sustainable gardens. And, you know, we've taken it from there, right? So whether it's been with causes.org or across his social networks and helping raise awareness for these programs, or, and, you know, Snoop does a lot for uh, the communities in Jamaica that we were a part of that maybe he won't speak so, you know, forwardly about, but everything from, um, you know, buses for elders in the Nyabingi temples to music um, and doing songs with a lot of the artists there that, you know, still hasn't come out. Um, it's all been about giving back to this place and the people that did so much for this movement we all enjoy together. Moving beyond the Jamaican community, and before we go to questions, there's one other thing I want to ask you about, especially in light of some of the difficult stories in the news of the past couple of weeks, which is your No Guns Allowed initiative. Uh, I know you're, you and your, your family are sort of involved in this um, activist movement uh, that's sort of against uh, firearms, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, we created a song called No Guns Allowed in the spirit of you know, all of these tragedies that are happening with this gun violence all through the world, especially in America where we at. And um, the incident in Connecticut really touched my heart when those kids that got shot. And I just really wanted to say something and do something and really put out something to let the world know that I care. And I feel like, you know, if I step up and stand up and let them know that we should try to do something to make it a little bit more difficult to get your hands on a gun or to prevent these incidents from happening, to protect our kids and protect us in general. So I felt like me personally by standing up and you know putting out a song because that's my strong point is my music. You know that's what I'm known for the most. So I speak to people through my music and why not put put out a song for a cause such as a, a cause like No Guns Allowed. So now that we've covered most of our major bases, I'm sure there's plenty of questions from the crowd. So if you want to just stick your hands in the air, a microphone will come to you. Um, first, I'd like to say to Jobby the Glory, I am a Puerto Rican Rasta. Rastafari. Bless. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, what was the first thing that exposed you to Rastafarianism that made you want to explore it? I, I think it was um, the genuine love. Every Rasta brother I've ever met has always shared wisdom and knowledge and love. It's, 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 it's amazing how a conversation with a Rasta is it's like a conversation with a professor because they're always giving you information and, and knowledge just on basic conversation. And that's been my experience from day one, from the first moment I've ever met the first roster in my life. And I've always seeked information. I've always wanted to be bright and intelligent and know who I am, where I come from, and what's the origins of who I am. And a lot of times in America, we only get the history of the history book. And that history book may not apply to me. So I wanted to get some real history, and why not come get the history from the truth? Because as I become more and more who I am, I start to see and feel and look more like a Rasta. So I have I have a question. Um, why now did you decide to make this movement towards you know, being a Rasta? Like, you've obviously had a very long career, so what, like, why not years ago? Why not, you know, why now, I guess? I think one thing about the spirit, I don't believe you choose the spirit, I believe it chooses you. And, you know, anything before this would have been unnecessary. I feel like right now is very necessary for the simple fact that I'm able to express 
words of wisdom through my music, which I've never been able to. And my music has always been my strong point. And through you know my, my teachings and learnings, I'm able to do that, to find peace within myself, to say things that matter and not be afraid and not care about you know the backlash of how could he say no guns allowed when we have millions of pictures with him with guns and videos with him with guns. The point is, that was yesterday. This is today. Me as an artist, I think, how do you stay relevant and positivity in this generation? Well, there's nothing wrong with being a leader. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have your own identity and wanting to be healthy and wanting to take care of yourself and wanting to grow old. Because you only get one body, and your body is your temple. So you got to learn to protect that. You got to always treat your body with love and care. And by you being smart enough to even understand that and recognize that, you got to stand behind your message. You got to continue to push what you believe in because there's a million girls who feel just like you that don't want to do Molly, that don't want to do what the other girls are doing. And if you stand up, you make it cool for them to stand up. So that's how you stay relevant, baby. Hey, Snoop, it's good to see you here. Um, yes, sir. I am a Caribbean man. I born and bred in the Caribbean and grew up in Trinidad. And um, I grew up listening to Bob Marley, actually. And um, I was curious. I noticed you made, your, you made a comparison to Bob Marley a couple of times, you know, compared yourself to Bob. And I'm curious as to, you know, I mean, I guess how you, how you, how you came to that comparison. Well, the reason how I came to that comparison is, uh, you know, the love factor, peace, the unity, the strength to embody a whole audience of people of different walks of life. Bob Marley was one of the first artists to unite different colors, different breeds, different races, different ethnicities, different genres of music. He had hippies, blacks, whites, Jamaicans, Europeans. He had everybody listening to his music. He controlled the crowd with peace and love when it was a time of disaster and war and anger. And to me, I'm the exact same spirit. And I didn't say it, the people said it. You know, I could walk around and say, I'm Elvis Presley, or I'm this and that, but it's no comparison to that. But when you say Bob Marley and Snoop Dogg, it's the same comparison because I walk in the same light Bob walks in. I push the same message he pushes. And when I went to Jamaica and was, was walked around Jamaica by his family, his wife, his kids, and when they gave me the blessing to say that you are that made me know that I am. And it's not in a disrespectful manner, it's in a positive manner to say that if Bob was here, I wouldn't have to be Bob Marley reincarnated. He would continue to push this message. But since he's not here, I feel it's my duty to continue where he left off by putting out great music and keeping his spirit alive. Because some people only know of Bob Marley through, I've heard about him, but now you'll be able to learn more about him through me and my music because I'll bring you closer to his spirit because I always respected his music and his spirit. And through coming through my music, you'll learn more about his music because that's what inspired me to do this music. Thanks. Um, I'm curious, beyond the musical influences in your life, um, given the multimedia nature of the project, what are some of the things that you um, that influence you uh, beyond music? Like everything from apps to magazines, TV shows, movies. What what sort of goes? You know, what what kind of things do you look at during the course of a day? It depends. I'm different. I mean, I'm kind of like in my own lane. I don't do what everybody else do, so I like I like finding things that are completely different. So it's kind of hard to say that my day is based on looking through the internet or flipping through YouTube because I'm different. I don't do the world star thing. I don't do none of that. I just basically I try to create my own news. I'm 
I'm that type of guy. Like, I'd rather make news than look at news. When you're on Twitter, do the Twitter thing. Sometimes. <laughs> I do the Instagram thing all the time. As a legend in the game of music, not just hip-hop music, where do you see hip-hop going and reggae music fusion? You know how like everything's doing like EDM and all that? Do you see, because you fused reggae with, as a hip-hop artist becoming Snoop Lion, do you see other artists following in your footsteps and creating a movement that is far bigger than just that? Sorry. Well, one thing about what I do, it tends to make a lot of people follow. And I, initially, sometimes I never do that on purpose, but if it's for the right reasons, I love it and I enjoy it. And I feel like if you look at rap and reggae music right now, you see a lot of collaborations, a lot of infusion, a lot of combining, and a lot of collaborations, because both of those those worlds are similar, and it's great music, and you find you know artists from those worlds who love artists from that genre, and they love making music together, and it's just a great energy. So I feel like both of those worlds will eventually tie the knot and come together, and it'll be holy matrimony. Hey there. In the movie, we see you go to, in the studio with Bunny Whalers, but I haven't seen that song on the album, and I was just wondering, will we ever see it in the light of day? Well, I actually gave the song to Bunny, so if he wants to put it out, it's on him. It didn't make the record because I had so many other songs that conceptually fit the record a little bit better, and when you're making a record, it's like making a movie. Some scenes don't make the movie because there's a certain amount of time, and then you're trying to get a message across, and it just seemed like the message of the record was flowing this direction and that song was going that direction. Um, hi, uh, I wanted to ask, what if your son was to follow in your footsteps of being a rapper? Well, actually, he is following my footsteps. He's, he's rapping and smoking at the same damn time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I support him, spanky danky. All right, so the movie is out now. You can download it. The album is out now. I just want to point out, you shut down this store, so this is a rarity. Nicely played. Thank you all for letting me shut you down. Hey, everybody, Thanks. join me again in thanking our panel for being here tonight. The film is reincarnated. Check it out right now on iTunes. Thank you again to Snoop Lion, Ted Chun, and Sarush Ali, Ali for being here with us tonight. And thank you guys for being such a great audience. We hope you had a good time. Like we said, you can check out the film right now on iTunes. Right now, if you wanted to. I mean that. <laughs>